Welcome to another podcast uh, of Consider This. We are uh, going to be dealing with um, something that actually is connected to our last one. Um, well, I always introduce ourselves, right? I'm Jim, um, one of the pastors here at Sunnybrook Christian Church. To my left, I actually, is that my left? It is. Yeah. To my left, I have True Moss. I can do it. I can do it secretly now. Um, no, we got a video camera on us now. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll rewind that and just take a look. Exactly. I know. To my left, I've got Drew Moss, one of our college pastors. To my right, I have um, Ryan Vincent, one of our adult uh, discipleship pastors. And we are um, asking this kind of kind of as the, as the landmark question, and I know it's going to sound like we're making this stuff up a little bit, especially this question, but it's not. Um, the question is, um, is the cross a form of child abuse or sometimes referred to as defi- divine child abuse? And so um, I'm going to kind of throw that at you guys. So, Drew, do you want to kind of take that ball rolling? Is the cross child abuse? Sure, yeah. I've heard it in one other phrase I've heard used cosmic child abuse, cosmic, this form okay. of cosmic child abuse. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe spoiler, but no. I, um, <laughs> I and how that concludes our on. podcast for today. <laughs> Thank you, Drew, for no, answering. What I think, though, it would, what a lot of people are probably wondering is why does this question, of course, no, why does, why does this question even need to be asked? Yeah. Sure. Um, and we're not making those phrases up. The reason why we got asked that is because there are a lot of people who are saying that that, yeah. that that for some time and more recently it's gotten to be kind of a bigger deal on on Twitter and and online stuff with some things, but that this idea of God taking out his frustration or anger or wrath on Jesus that sounds like that sounds like child abuse. It sounds like a dad who gets mad and beats his son and that's kind of thing. So that's and almost beats his son for someone else's sake. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Or no, weirdly enough, right? Because what we'll ultimately get to is he's beating his son for his own sake. Yeah, for his own to yeah. to almost get to take out his anger on something, take out his frustration yeah. or whatever. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Ryan, thoughts? Kind of on the overarching idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in some respects, I get how you could. Um, you could take just about any account in scripture and divorce everything else from it and just look at it on its own and draw some strange modern Western conclusions from this Mm. with no backstory, with no cultural um, information, with no, this fits into the movement of the text with no, you know, these are other issues that are being resolved in this account. I could do that with a number of things. And so if I want to go and find one of the most heinous things in Scripture, I could go to the crucifixion accounts and find, um, divorced from other information, something very violent. And I'm looking for a contemporary way of explaining it. And uh, child abuse might be one way of doing it. So I, I, I kind of, I get why how they get there. I have a big problem with how they get there. So then let me ask you this, Ryan. Um so then where is this question coming from theologically? You've already alluded to some things. Where is this question coming from theologically? Um, there's a number of, of concerns. For those, and I, I want to say this. For those people who are going, okay, actually, I, I'm even listening to this podcast because when I saw that question, I thought that was just weird. Right, right. So where is this coming from? Um, there, there are a number of things. I think two big ones to me are there. Uh, it's a concern with the, the idea that God would have wrath towards people um, for their sins or 
is such that it would have to be paid for with a blood sacrifice. It feels very primitive. It, some people actually say this. It feels barbarically pagan to, um, we need to, to bleed something out in order to appease. And that's, that's a big word. And I, and I actually think that's a, a good biblical idea, to appease something that is angry at something else for mm. whatever. Um, this is... This is an idea that many uh, contemporary Christians, and with time I might be using that term more loosely. Um, <laughs> Not contemporary, but Christian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, it turns the stomach a little bit. And, and it's, it turns the stomach in, in as, as it's connected to these, this concept of an all-loving God that just... Um, out of his out of his love he creates and out of his love he saves well you know again the kind of the logical question is what is what needs to be saved and how is it done and you know there's there's even still great questions i still don't fully grasp um why it's a blood sacrifice i think it's more of a a death has to be has to take place right and um it's 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 icky is probably a good good phrase to describe kind of the michael gungers of the world sure so basically what you're saying is that theologically God in the Bible is described as someone who needs to be satisfied or appeased. Jesus accomplishes that um, for us. Yes. So the rescue that we receive is from, yeah. this, you know, so we're going to use words like atonement. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so that's kind of where it's coming from is they're trying to answer and really kind of get down to the um, why did God save us this way yes and and and, right? and kind of an additional concern on top of that is how just is it if your god is so loving and so just how just is it to kill an innocent person for those who are not yeah good drew anything else kind of like because i know that we could talk a long time yep. just about the theological connections yeah well I, I mean i think it's maybe even worth right now cracking cracking open why we're jumping into this right now Go. with with ryan uh, with Ryan kind of mentioned the name Michael Gunger there for uh, for those who don't know uh, you know who that is it's the the lead singer of the band Gunger um, Dude, that, tell me team. that's not a coincidence that's crazy huh it is it's like foreordained <laughs> yep mm-hmm. so he uh, so yeah so Michael Gunger uh, who's done a lot of, of in kind of like late 2000 2010 2011 really kind of that band came onto the scene I loved the Did stuff you? that they were putting out the worship music that they were putting out mm-hmm. uh, but he recently kind of unleashed a series of tweets blasting this idea um, the idea that God would need to punish his son to save us the, the idea that God would need need Jesus's blood on the cross in order for us to be forgiven he, I think he used the word horrific yeah. and even you I don't know if you have some of those well, there, here's, but, yeah. Yeah, let, let me give you a quick one so here's this is off Michael Gunger's um, tweets um, which is at Michael Gunger um, on uh, February 25th he tweeted if you can't think of anything to sing to God other than gratitude for taking your shame away through bloodshed, stop singing and look around. Then he went on to say, Now I certainly don't mean to minimize the meaning and symbolism of the cross for billions of Christians through the centuries. I simply think blood sacrifice is a very limited and less than timely metaphor for what the cross can mean in our culture. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what he's, you know, he's basically saying, listen, we're in a blood crazed, we're in a violent culture, and part of the implication of that can obviously be the fact that we 
have this view of God still, which is somewhat old and 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 yeah. and, and should be put away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of where he's coming from. So those are the tweets he those are the ones he sent. The last one he says, I thought this was interesting. I would love to hear more artists who sing to God and fewer who include a father murdering a son in that endeavor. Yeah. So that's what started the the yep. issue. Murdering his son, which is kind of like, yeah, it really does give an insight into how he's he says things like, I don't want I don't want to, you know, disparage other people's beliefs about it. Um, but he he speaks pretty strongly yeah. about it as he really disparages does. other yes, people's yeah. beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's not just him. We we recently, since after doing our Shack podcast, <laughs> um, discovered some stuff from William Paul Young that I think he put. Is it a book that he put out? Yeah. Lies Christians yeah, lies believe or Christians lies we believe, believe about God? Yeah, I think yeah, 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 lies we believe about God, in which he makes some of the same basic statements. Yeah. This idea that God is so angry at you in your sin that that he would need Jesus to die and able to forgive you, he says, is ridiculous. And uh, and he is just complete. He feels like that has led a lot of people astray and that that's a lie that needs to be gotten rid of. And it's why people hate God. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. It's, it's why people can't stomach this. It's why people don't want to be Christians. Yes. And therefore, if, if this has become an old way, almost, and it's interesting how much they talk about um, these Christian ideas, you know, that we would use words like the substitutionary atonement of Christ, yeah. and we would use um, words like propitiate, which means to take away the wrath mm-hmm. from. Um, we use these ideas, they compare them to the pagan deities. Yeah. They say, listen, like this is what the pagan gods, this is what Baal wanted, and and, yeah. and our God is so different, isn't he? Yes, yes. And by the way, the Bible does describe our God as being so different yeah. than those other gods. And then the question becomes, how is he different, and what does yeah. that mean? And so, yeah, and one of the, one of the first that I'm aware of, one of the first people who really kind of question this in the 20th century is C.H. Uh, Dodd, kind of a famous New Testament yeah. scholar. And one of the reasons he did is because C.H. Dodd was so familiar with the Greek pagan gods system, the the system, and he just said, this sounds like pagan gods. I don't like this stuff. I don't, this doesn't sound like the God of love in the New Testament. This doesn't sound like, and so that's where that question, you know, I told you guys, I think back to where does this come from? Why do people, why does Michael Gunger hate this idea so much? (laughs) And why does William Paul Young, and you know, I I, I told you guys, I think that there are almost three levels of questions or, or objections that people have. And the first is, Simply like I don't like the idea of God, um, of God needing Je- needing to punish Jesus to take away our sins to forgive us. Why can't he? And this question needs to be answered. Yeah, it's why, a good question. Why can't God just forgive us? Yeah. Why can't God just say I forgive you? Why does He have to? Um, pour his wrath on Jesus in it in order to be able to do that. By the way, one other one other group of people who doesn't like this uh, is uh, Presbyterian Church USA. So uh, back to our ch- <laughs> what do we think of churches in Stillwater? Yeah, First Presbyterian Church in Stillwater. Um, about five or six years ago, the the famous song, a famous modern hymn, "In Christ Alone." Um, which I love that song, but ha- it got taken out of every PCUSA hymnal. Because oh, of I did not know yeah, that. because of this line, um, when on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Yep. Because of that line, it, it was voted to take that hymn out of every every PCUSA, every Presbyterian mm-hmm. uh, hymnal. 
So then notice the connection. So from the original question, which I asked you, which was, is the cross a form of child abuse? Yes. Now, all of a sudden, the hymns that we sing or the songs that we sing are being affected. Yes. Voted on and voted out. And that goes to, so I said the first question or first objection is, I don't like that God can't just forgive. Deeper than that, and not everybody goes to this, but when a person is asking that question, the deeper objection is, I, I don't like the idea of a loving God also being a God of wrath, mm-hmm. which is which is why the Peace USA cuts that out. The wrath of God was satisfied by Jesus' death. Um, I don't like the idea that, that God is a God of wrath, and, and that does not seem to, it's not just like I don't like that, but it does not seem to connect with people to this God of love in the New Testament. Yep. How does Jesus say, don't repay evil with evil, and yep. yet God seems to need to repay our evil with punishment and with with death and, and bloodshed. But under that, I don't like a God of wrath is, I think, further is, um, I don't think that our sin is that big a deal to God. Like, I, it does not seem right that God looks at people who seem to be, a lot of us, good people, right? Yeah, my uncle's yeah. a good person. My yeah. aunt's, a, my, my dad's a good person. And it just seems weird that God would look at my dad and say, you are so sinful, you're so wicked that someone, either you or someone else is going to have to die for you to be in my presence. In many ways, what Gunger believes is he has done nothing to warrant somebody else's death yeah. to take care of his problem. What, what about me is so offensive and angering to God? that he has to take that out on yeah. Jesus in See, order for that, me to be with him. That's that's good in terms of so going back and thinking about the theology behind it. That's the that's a great way to look at the question. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, I mean I'm fine with going let's ask that question. Let's sure. not say, "Hey, listen, the Bible says it, don't think about it." No, the Bible does say some things. Let's think about it. Yeah. Ryan, yeah. jumping in on this? Yeah. Um notice how how as Drew is explaining um Michael Gunger's concerns and, and, and perhaps the, the process of, of beginning with, I don't like the word propitiation and ending with, you know, with time. Okay, it, hold on. What does the word propitiate mean? means to appease, to satisfy, okay. to, to um, turn it, away wrath turn or wrath. absorb yeah. wrath. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So to appease in that sense. Yeah. Okay. So um, propitiate. Go ahead. If you, if you start there, I don't like this idea of a bloody sacrifice in order to appease a, a, a wrathful God, and then eventually you get down to um, maybe my sins aren't such a big deal. Um, one of the glaring problems with uh, with this this pattern of thinking is that it happens almost entirely divorced from Scripture. It mm-hmm. is. It is a sociological exercise. It is it is loaded with with my sentiments. It is it is sterile. It is I think it's uniquely Western. Um, I don't think um, ancient Near Eastern societies had the same aversion to um, dealing with problems in a messy way that we do. Mm-hmm. I don't think that many societies, even in the modern world have as much a problem with the idea that I have done something that requires deep and severe both consequences and methods to remedy the problem. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it is, it's not just an American issue, but it is, it is fascinating that Michael Gunger um, develops this, this aversion to biblical truth in Denver, Colorado. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 I you know I've had some interesting biblical debates over other topics lately, 
uh, with various people in various contexts. And I, and I have been, uh, I've become incredibly sensitive to how many of the rebuttals against what I believe are very biblical ideas never use scripture to debate. It is, it is, I, this is, that doesn't sit well with me, but do you know my friend or um, have you ever met so-and-so or that's just, that doesn't fit well in a, in a good society. And, and I'm over here just asking, why should I care about any of those things when I believe that there are 66 books of inspired words? Um, so that, to me, that's, that's one of the glaring problems with uh, a Michael Gunger's position. I, I think that I'd like to see an argument from Scripture uh, over why this— and, and I think that that's—you can't. I think it falls short rather quickly. Yeah. It's interesting. Here's, here's, here's part of that feed, which kind of describes a little bit of this. He says, he says this in response. He brings John Mark McMillan into the conversation, and yep. I guess John Mark McMillan, who I know who the artist is, yeah. but he's got a song called Murdered Son. Okay. Okay. So Gunger, and this kind of brings into the conversation. Gunger then says this in a response to John Mark. Um, Love that, John Mark. Um, but for the record, I've never been bothered by your murder imagery. He was murdered. Talking about Jesus. Yeah. But then he says, by people. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to say, okay, so then let's kind of think through what they're thinking through with that. So it's not, hey, I don't want to try to pretend Jesus wasn't killed. It's not, yeah. hey, by the way, the idea of the cross is just a metaphor for something else. Yeah. Jesus really died at the yeah. age of 95 yeah. in a rocking chair in a nursing home in Galilee. That's yeah. not what he's saying. Yeah. He was murdered. Mm-hmm. But, um, but not Jesus by, died on a cross. Yes. Yeah. Believes. I think he would even say this phrase, which is kind of weird, that Jesus died on a cross for our sins. He would probably say in some degree. Yeah. Sure. Just means something totally different yeah. that it accomplished something different than that so then you know how, I, mean? I mean and I'm, I'm i'm saying this somewhat rhetorically yeah. so then let's help our people think through so mm-hmm. how do you how do you even get there like is there a possibility of us as we kind of talk about it? and let me give you some keywords ryan used the word to propitiate which is to absorb or to take the wrath that god has and that's what jesus did he didn't just he didn't just pay a penalty yeah um, he absorbed a, a penalty that 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 penalty actually was that God was angry at us because yeah. of our sin, that there was a yeah. wrath you know, kind of poured out upon us. Um, and then there's the idea of atonement, which means we need, we need something to happen. And you're saying that Gunger may, and I can't really find anything. I don't yeah. know his specific position, yeah. but th- Gunger's not the first one to come up with this. Sure. He's just you know, the first one writing a lot of our worship stuff right now yeah. who, who has an opinion on this, or one of the first that has an opinion on this. Um, so what he's saying is is that there may not be an atonement necessary where Jesus is paying for our wrath but is still doing something, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. And there have been like, so there's there's a number of kind of theories of, of, upon what like Jesus' death actually accomplishes. And uh, I don't know what his is. I would guess that he would say something more along what we call like the Christus exemplar or moral mm-hmm. exemplar yeah. um, argument, which is that what Jesus' death does is it teaches us that there's another way to live than our anger and our violence. Yep. There's yep. a way of self-sacrifice and there's okay. a way, and he is demonstrating the Father's great love by his death on the cross. Yep. So that when we look at Jesus, we go, that's what I, if God loves us that much, um, that's what I want to be like. Yep. That's what, yep. and, and I want to change my life. And so in that way, he is 
in essence, saving us from our sin because he's making us into a different kind of people by giving us a different model, yeah. a different example, moral yeah, yeah. exemplar yeah. theory. That's where we get that. Yep. So that's kind of what they're what they're lining probably, up with. Probably, probably what he's yeah, yeah going towards. Yeah. And a big doctrine that is is going to unravel with this particular approach if we say that Jesus was in fact murdered, but it was by a, a Roman execution. You know, at, at the kind of the the behest of the Jewish leadership, um, what they are going to quickly undo is a is a strong biblical view of God's sovereignty in that. Um, actually, in, in many ways, the I, I have found the best way to describe Jesus' sacrifice isn't even murder language. It's more of a suicide. Like, he is so in control. This was, I think that the Gospels actually testified that this is what he was sent to do. This is not... God sent Jesus to be a good teacher yep. and to be a moral example. And then, oh man, he got crucified. Well, we can use that too. I think it's, I sent him to die. I mean, that's yeah. that's the book of Luke. Jesus is on a death march. He knows what he's come to do. Yeah. It is not. Resolutely it, set, I think it's, uh, is it 19? He resolutely sets his nine. face toward, not nine? Nine through 19 okay. is his march to Jerusalem. He resolutely sets his face towards Jerusalem. Yes. Um, and then the language particularly coming from Mark, um, but Luke, it's in, it's in Luke as well, that he sees this because the Son of Man must do these things. Yeah. So, so, so uh, Gunger and those like him wouldn't have as big of a problem with Jesus just happen, like, it just ha- so happens that he gets murdered. Says a couple of offensive things, is called a blasphemer, and this is kind of what happens to the guys that do those kind of things. Um, uh, probably a better way to describe it, however, is that Jesus is a guy who is going to die, knows he's going to die, and says the things that are going to get him killed to the people that have the authority to talk to Rome and get him killed. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is one of the biggest rubs with Gunger is that he, he has a very, uh, he, he would have a, a large struggle with God knowing this would happen, doing it anyway, and one step further, um, sending him in order to do that. See, and that's one of the questions I have is, and I, I don't, I, I really don't want this to be rhetorical, but I have no idea where this is going to ultimately, how you're going to answer this, because I know we all share the same position that it's not child abuse and that God's wrath is appeased. The scriptures seem to describe that, and um, you know, you want us to use text Drew more often. I think Ephesians two says something to us that we who were by our nature objects of God's wrath. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how you, I don't know how you get around that. Yeah, that that is our nature. So, yes, we were by our nature object of God's wrath, but God, who is this exceedingly gracious and merciful God, made us alive in Christ, is what Paul argues in uh, Ephesians 2. That's verses 1 through two, one through 10. Um, yeah. So if the idea that God, and, and, and honestly, this is the part where the people are shocked about the question. Think about this. Because um, you might be challenged by this idea by somebody. So are you a good parent? You think you are at least a relatively good parent? Would you ever send your child to go and to die to uh, for other people to appease your own anger. <laughs> Would you ever do that? And so that just sounds terrible. So obviously that sounds like abuse, right? To send your yeah. child to go and die to appease your own anger. If you can't get over it, and the only way that you know how to deal with this is to make your child die for your anger, that's kind of the way they look at it, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, and this is, I guess my question is, like, is it any better to say God's not angry? That's not it. Um, God knowingly sent His Son, 
into this situation, knowing that he would die. It wasn't like his plan. Nothing needed to be satisfied. God sent him knowing that he was going to die. Is that not a form of of, of, of abuse in, in and of itself? Mm-hmm. Like God knew in the end that as he loved and cared for people, they would put him on a cross and kill him. Mm-hmm. Like, is that still not somewhat like... At least negligent. Or yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think there's at least some kind of parental oversight that was dropped. The is ball was dropped. Is there a cosmic DHS we can call? Yes. This, this was reckless. This yeah. it was clearly reckless. So did, if, yeah. Even. So did God know? And so I asked you this question kind of off camera, Drew. Um, so I, I don't know what Gunger and those guys say to this. Like, do they then believe that God didn't know this was the end result? Yeah. That this, yeah, that he So I don't know not, how you guys answer that question, yeah. but... That's what I don't know how you get around this, and who 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 knows exactly. I would not be surprised if that's where they go. If they yeah. if kind of this open theism, God doesn't know exactly the future. He's working through it as we are. Yeah, he's just Only the master chess player. Yeah, he's smarter and more together, and so he can make it all work together. And so God didn't necessarily send His Son Jesus with the. This is again, this is complete theory, but maybe what they're saying is God didn't send his son Jesus with the knowledge that they're going to kill him. He sent Jesus to show us how to live. Mm -hmm. And as all of this started taking place, the plan came into action. Jesus said, all right, I'm going to die and show them how much we love them. I'm going to show, you know what I mean? That's, I I don't know if that's their thinking, but that I I would think it would almost have to be. Yeah. Or, and sometimes this is what happens over time. Is that they look at the uh, the wrath of God needing to be satisfied, and that sounds abusive, mm-hmm. so they let go of that. And then the next step is well, but even letting him walk into a situation like that is yeah. probably also abusive. Yeah. So then you have to let go of that, and it becomes this increasing yeah kind yeah. of a, abandonment of an orthodox position mm-hmm. in the in the in the recreation of of some alternative ones. Um, so so where are we actually seeing this play out? Like where are some of the this ideas of God isn't that angry with us, that sin's not that big of a deal, mm-hmm. that we should focus on um, the example of Christ and not the payment um, mm-hmm. on the on the cross. Where are our people in Stillwater, Oklahoma, or wherever you're listening to this podcast, where are people brushing up against this? Um, I, I would actually love to figure out a way to take a poll. I don't know, Steve, you're the genius on these kinds of things. Maybe we can put it on Facebook. You know, How many of you, you're hearing this for the first time? I think that might be a kind of a good thing. You think we can do that? Okay, cool. Because um, I'm really curious to know, yeah. those of you that are hearing this, how many of you are going, okay, I don't think I've ever even heard it described this way. I'd be curious to know what that is. Where are our people seeing this then played out unbeknownst to them? Mm-hmm. And by the way, I don't think I am an anti-conspiracy people or conspiracy person. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. But where are guys who have this idea already influencing us, already shaping our thinking, and how can we make our people not afraid of them, but aware of them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in Michael's realm, in worship music, and here's where I, I will always tip my hat to a guy like Steve, who is who's going to look at lyrics before we, uh, before we spend a Wednesday night rehearsing. Yes, quite literally, tip your hat. And, uh, and, and say, it would be foolish for us to seem to... to, to sing praises to a God if we're doing so in a way that contradicts um, the truth as he's revealed it through scripture. And so um, Michael Gunger has at times had some some music that has brushed up against probably strong orthodox ideas of the cross. I would say those times are over. And if you look at his music that he's putting out now, it is going to, it's going to be uh, heavy on the God's overwhelming love for us side and and light if not non-existent 
on the um, we are a a sinful race that owes him something side. And I think that you, and, and he's not the only one, by the way. And it's actually been going on for years in yeah. in CCM contemporary Christian music. I mean, so um, we, we even do this on occasion as a as a worship arts team where we kind of do a Monday morning recap or Monday afternoon recap of the Sunday before we asked the question, um, did the four, three or four songs that we sang, were they, were they, um, actually forming biblical truths in us mm-hmm. or are they heavy on one at the expense of other? We have these conversations. And I think that, um, those are very subtle ways that we can forget some of the, um, deep truths of God that are harder to stomach. And no one has a hard time with God loves us. Yeah. Right. And think about think about our music that we sing. Um, there may be tons of artists who haven't really thought this through, but who've decided to accentuate yes. certain attributes. And by the way, this has been going on since people have been writing songs to God. Right. They're going to be accentuating certain things, and that's why it's good for us to be thinking, the, do the songs that we sing preach the whole counsel of the nature of God? That's why, going back, that's why we have an idea which is coming from the scriptures mm-hmm. about what we want to say about Jesus and mm-hmm. God of the world and you know the whole yeah. meta narrative then Steve and his team put together something that resembles that so it's not i've got five really cool songs that we should sing it's yeah. we're preaching on this therefore let's sing about these attributes of God mm-hmm. and those come from scripture yeah mm-hmm. so it's a very integrated system if you ever hear a new song and you think oh that line sounds familiar i don't know where it's from it's quite possible that it's from a psalm, and that's one of the things that I'm most comfortable with. Is where and David Crowder is kind of the master of this, um, pulling um, l- lyrics from the psalms sure. and putting them to modern music, and sure. I love that. Cool, Drew. Where else are we seeing this? Like, where is this coming? Where can our people be aware of it? Um, you know, I, maybe answer your question in a different way. I, I don't know if our people are that um, in danger at this moment of, of falling away from the idea of substitutionary atonement, yep. of, of starting to believe like Gunger believes. But I do think sometimes if we are not, if we're not straight on our understanding of the Trinity and who God is, mm-hmm. that we can have a flawed understanding of sub- substitutionary atonement, something sure. that does look like child abuse. Mm-hmm. Like if you believe that the Father the God of the Old Testament is angry and wrathful towards sin, but luckily this, that Jesus the Son is <laughs> this, loving yeah. and kind and says, no, 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 you know, and, and he goes down and you believe that God, you know, does take it out on Jesus so that he won't take it out on us. That's, that's not accurate to Scripture. Yeah. Or if you believe that Jesus had to almost kind of persuade the Father. So the Father was ready to send sinful people to hell, and Jesus says, wait a second, I got an idea. Yeah. What if, Father, what if I took their place? And, and God goes, okay, we, I think we can do that. You know what I mean? Like that's that's not true either. Like yeah. we, it's important. When I think sometimes people like Gunger or William Paul Young, they they get frustrated at this idea because they have heard an an inaccurate portrayal of what actually sure. was the truth. That's, great is, point. Is, that's a great. You know what I mean? Point. We believe that we believe that our sin was against the Father and against the Son and against the Holy Spirit, and that yes. the idea of a the idea of Christ laying down his life and taking our sins upon himself to redeem us was the idea of the Father and of the Son yeah. and of the Holy Spirit. And that though we don't believe, you know, that that, you know, God himself died when Jesus died, we do believe that it cost all three of them. That it yeah. that and that's the part that uh, I no, right. but I'm saying 
that's the part that the movie portrayed the check that I thought was actually helpful, even against what maybe Mr. Helpful Young was trying to accomplish. and dangerous. Oh. <laughs> no, but I mean, I like what you're saying, Drew. Yeah, that, yeah. That I guess a, if a you're going to go so far as to let the father be incarnate, you might as well put holes in his I, arms. I did not <laughs> say the father was incarnate. <laughs> this, but it is there. There is like I said bad that, trinity, bad bad thoughts about the about how God is one. Yes, yeah. yes. To recognize that, like, no, we sinned against Jesus, and yeah. it was also Jesus's wrath. And that's we and under, that's why right? read Revelation. And, Jesus yeah, and, has wrath. Yes, and it's and it's the Father's and the Son's and the Holy Spirit's loving sacrifice in yeah. different you know sacrificing in different forms and they, that and love that redeems us and they, well, they all work together. In and, union. And, and think about the, here's the problem with the analogy. This is the danger when you try to use the analogy. So, would a father send a son? And I want to say, listen, like me. Yeah, ontologically, um, which means like my being, yeah, and my son Matthew, right, and his being are two independent things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. They don't have the same connection mm-hmm. that God the Father and God the Son have. Yeah. So even when you look at that idea, and um, and and saying that, yeah, th- you you've missed the point. I'm going yeah. back. Is it Piper? It's no, it's not Piper. Stop. It's uh, no, it's not stop. Is it stop? stop. The God gave Himself. To God, himself. yeah, yeah. God gave Himself to Himself to save us from Himself. Yeah, God. which is why that's exactly why. And, and this analogy breaks down at some point too. But that's exactly why it's. I I hesitate to call it a murder, and I, I'm much more comfortable looking at the unity of God, calling it a kind of a suicide. And yet that doesn't. Yeah, that, that doesn't, doesn't last that doesn't very long either. either. There yeah. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah. I mean, but you get there's some Jesus, John ten. No one takes my life from me, but yeah. I lay it down yeah, of my down. own accord. How about this? So. Instead of calling it a suicide, why don't we call it a? Okay, you might want to Steve get a pen down because I want to trademark this. <laughs> How about we call it a sacrifice? <gasps> I like that novel. I mean, I I'm just like it. Kind of throwing it out there. Just no. don't know where I'm getting that from. That's you ours now. So it's not Gunger. Wise. It's not William Paul Young. You're so wise. Thank you. Um, you know, you know one of the one of the places that we're obviously seeing this being brought out in a in a, in a way is um, in the shack, mm-hmm. right? Some of this idea about how all of this process works. I mean, it it comes down to one of the things that we're beginning to see as we continue to go back and and look at. Um, not just how that movie, but you know, different things that the, one of the writers, Mr. Young, who's kind of the centerpiece of that. Mm-hmm. This is a problem he has. He yeah. sees it this way. Yeah. And so, you know, it's amazing how the guys making our movies and the guys helping us sing our songs and the guys helping us at the popular level to kind of work through some of these things theologically, like a Rob Bell and others. Um, this is how they're looking at it, and it is affecting our our yeah. our, uh, our preaching and our teaching and. It's easier to teach the kids this stuff. Like, yeah. isn't it easier to just tell the kids, man, Jesus loves you. And last week I was preaching from Matthew 24, and I had to, uh, I, made the, I made the point, how many of you have shared these words of Christ, and he will cut them into pieces? You know, that's just not a yeah. kind of very happy picture of Jesus, but that's what he said. So, Can I add one more place where I'd I think we... I'd love for you to add it. I think this is a... This might be a, a rather common place for our people to experience the tension of this of this question is in the idea of how do you deal with um, forgiving someone who's wronged you? And we had a big podcast on forgiveness, right? So you can go back and listen to it. It's in the archives. But um, if your tactic for forgiveness is to somehow just um, get over the problem, that is a bit of the theology of Gunger. 
if someone say I've wronged you, right? So this is not self-interested, but I've wronged you. If I can just hold on while our relationship is now tarnished until you get over it. um, A lot of times we want to pretend like that's forgiveness. Like you're just not mad anymore. But but true forgiveness require it's a transaction. Yeah. It requires that I've I've done something wrong. I have to right the relationship and scripture teaches us that that comes through genuine repentance and turning away from sinful or wicked behavior or harmful behavior and and reconciling the relationship and only then can you actually forgive me. See, you getting over it isn't forgiveness. God can't just get over sin. That's not forgiveness. It yeah. is it, there is a transaction that must take place in order to restore the relationship. And so um, if you're if you're talking to your children about um, they've done something wrong and uh, and you say don't worry about it I forgive you but there's never been a change in attitude you're not modeling biblical forgiveness you actually might be perpetuating the same lie that Gugger wants us to believe is that God can just God and therefore us as as his image bearers can just get over things and and relationships are restored and that's I don't think that that's accurate yeah it's it's not and, and you know the other part which we don't have time in this podcast to talk about but the Apostle Paul seems to really stress in the book of Romans that God is both just and justifier. Yes. So he is just. So there there needs to be a penalty for sin. And if not, then that's it's, it's not it's not justice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy for me to just say, hey, listen, when someone wrongs you, hey, dude, just like go of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's 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 great, and it, it might even seem like kind of sweet. Yeah. But I would I would argue that everybody has a line in which they draw, and yeah. they say, well, no, 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 no. Something something needs to be repaid on this one. Yeah. Like yeah. something something has to be done. There has to be some kind of a he needs to go to jail, or they right. need to like. I don't know anybody that just says, oh yeah, let's just all look the other way. Mm-hmm. No, at some point in time, something has to happen, and you know, Drew, I really have been helped by your idea that. This comes down to the root that sin's not that big of a deal. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. I think, and I think that this is, you said it, God is just and a justifier. And that one of the Romans 3. Yeah. Yeah. Which uses that phrase in 325 that yeah. God set him forth, Jesus, as a propitiation by his blood yep. so that God could be just and justifier. And if I could, if I could say anything to Michael <laughs> Gunger, it, I think it would be a few things. One is you're failing to recognize the oneness of the Trinity, yes. that they are all in this together, um, that you're failing to understand the nature of like that God is actually solving a greater problem, and that is that sinful people cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. Mm-hmm. And so this is more than just a, we think of God's wrath as like a temper tantrum. He just gets yes. really mad yeah. because you got sinful. And so he just gets mad and he kind of loses it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but the truth is, no, there's something about his nature his nature in and of itself ontologically yeah (laughs) sin cannot be in that presence and so god recognizes wrath is i think keller says something like it's his steadied opposition against everything that is tearing his creation apart that's what his wrath is it's not him losing it Mm -hmm. um it's it's and so something needs to be he needs to be able to he is just and that sin will not be in his presence but the cross allows him to be justifier Mm -hmm. by by punishing sin in Jesus so that he doesn't have to punish and destroy us in the process. And, and of course, the third thing I would ask is what, just what do you do with scriptures like Romans 3? Yeah. What do you do with Isaiah 53, that he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, and Yahweh laid on him the iniquities of us all, and uh, Hebrews 9.22, without, without 
blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. I don't know what you, when Conger says, I don't get why Christians have to believe in bloodshed for forgiveness. It's probably because it says there is no forgiveness without bloodshed. It's probably our main reason that we do that. But you know what I mean? Those things, those are the things I would like to And that's a representative text of a lot of other texts that share the same idea. Hebrew writer doesn't come out of nowhere with that idea. Well, and even, I'll tell you, here's the beauty of it. Even going back and, and a deeper understanding of Scripture, when Christ in the garden says, take this cup from me, mm-hmm. we just kind of want to say, you know, cup, that's, you know, like difficulties. Yeah. No, but the the, 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 the cup of wrath that mm-hmm. is described, I mean, what would Jesus be thinking about there? It is the wrath being poured out in judgment against those who oppose the will of God. B- yeah, biblically, when, when it talks about, often through the Scripture, that idea of God's cup yes. of wrath is coming. So this is not just some isolated image. Yeah, that it's not a communion cup. Of cup. Wrath. Yeah. It's yeah. not yeah. a communion cup. It's in yeah. Revelation, the bowl's being poured the out. The bowl's being different. poured out. So that's the part that becomes so, so helpful. Okay, so as we wrap this up, so... What kind of recommendations would you give to our people in terms of how to think through and deal with this stuff? I mean, the last stuff you just said, Drew, was great. But anything else we want to do, Drew? I would, you know, I would, I would always say, you know, obviously stick close to Scripture when you're trying to do these things, and be be wary of. This goes back to a number of things we've talked about on this podcast before. Anytime you come across a new interpretation of Scripture, yep, that's good. That conveniently is more palatable to our culture then that's a that's something i'm not saying it automatically is wrong but it's something we do the same when when your view of what the bible says about same-sex marriage all of a sudden fits really well with our culture then just just question yourself whether your view is matching up with scripture or whether you're just trying to cram scripture into this when your view of god's wrath um when your view of when your view of things like propitiation or, or violence or pa- anything like that, whenever your new interpretation conveniently makes you more presentable to the world around yeah. you, it's worth just stopping and asking the question, am I getting this from the Bible or am I getting this from my culture? You know. Good. Ryan, what do you want to add? only thing I'll add is to do so in, uh, and I said this in the last podcast, but I'll keep beating this horse, do so in community. I mean, to sometimes uh, I have questions that I don't that have the be a ability. Form of animal abuse, yeah. Actually, to beat this horse. <laughs> what if it's already dead? What if I just beat, beat a stairs. dead horse? That, just, okay, I'm sorry. Go back. Okay, I okay, just okay. trying to. I'm a literalist. No, I know. Um, but a lot of times I have questions that I don't have the knowledge base or the resources to find the answers to, and I have to come to other people. And and I'm telling you, it's. It's incredibly valuable to get people who think differently than you, who are raised differently than you, who have a different sort of um, kind of background than you do to help you process universal truths, truths that mm-hmm. transcend time and culture and, and all of that and language. Um, left to my own devices, you'd be shocked how unorthodox I could probably become. But when I am tethered to particularly the spirit of God moving in the people of God, and I ask them to help me process deep truths, um, I, I trust the spirit enough that it'll be harder for me to, to deviate from orthodoxy. And I'll be able to have a, a humility that submits to um, so much of the tradition of the church as it reads and lives out the instructions in scripture um, that even when it's not palatable, even when I don't like it, even when it rubs against the grain, um, if I talk to these three guys, I have a uh, I have a better understanding. 
and I have a better shot of living in accordance with the biblical standard. I was in grad school with uh, dealing with the paper that I had presented on the need to know who Christ is in order to be saved. And this guy just was arguing for more of a, no, God is gracious enough that even if you can't know these things and didn't know these things, God can still offer you his kindness. Now, Jesus paid the penalty, but you don't really need to know about Jesus. That was kind of his argument. And he was really kind of arguing from this because God is so loving and so gracious and so kind that, you know, you really don't need to know about Jesus. I'm not, I'm not saying that's not the best way, but I mean, it's not the only way. So we're having this. And our, my uh, professor, Dr. Lowry, is just sitting there over and over and over again. And then he left the very end. And this guy was smart. This guy had a great philosophical, you know, this is kind of, this leads to this and this leads to this. And then at the very end, Dr. Lowry leaned across and said, give me some texts that support your position. And I'll never forget when he just said, yeah, that's the one thing I don't really have. <laughs> and and I, I mean, it was interesting. I, I didn't feel like I had won. I just kind of thought, I need to remember that. Yeah. Like there's lots of things that I want and that I believe that I don't have the scriptures to do it. And you know, I'll close with this because Drew, you made the comment outside of the taping of this podcast that when someone says something like, "Man, I cannot believe in a god that would do these things. I can't believe in a god that would need to be appeased. I just can't believe a god that would be angry <laughs> at relatively good people. I just can't believe that." The comment that I think might be good for us to lovingly and patiently with gentleness re- respond back to is, well, actually, that just tells me about you and not about God. Yeah. And that's a big piece. When my, I'll give you a, some parenting advice. When my kids say crazy things, they say, yeah, well, here's what I think. I've now learned to look at them and go, I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know you. Like, I'm sure that is what you think. I'm not going to sit yeah. here and argue whether or not you think that. Interesting, but irrelevant information. Yes. <laughs> and, and But by the way, I deserve that. Yeah. Like, I look at God and I say, I just can't imagine that you would ever be mad at me. And God goes, I'm sure you don't. Like, I'm sure you almost need to think that way about yourself, don't you, Jim? But let me, let me tell you the truth about you. Mm-hmm. And I want to put that in the shadow of the truth about me. Mm-hmm. And then he comes and he says, and by the way, I made you and I do love you. Mm-hmm. But the way that you're acting is in opposition to me. Mm-hmm. And you are an object of my wrath. And this is the, the beauty that I love about Scripture and where I think there's more integrity than what these other guys are offering. It says, I love you and you are an object of my wrath. Those are those those lines go side by side. Mm-hmm. So there isn't mm-hmm. like God did send his son. And while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not like God is that the wrath didn't also come with it. A profound because a God who is rich in mercy and a God who is exceedingly abundant in love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And while we were dead, God made us alive in Christ. So, man, there's more love there than Gunger has any idea of. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? I, he, I don't either. That's the way we think you should consider this. Boo. You want me to pull that mic out so you can drop it? <laughs> oh. Very good, boys.